Hello, all you cool cats and kittens, and welcome back to Hanging with Harry. Um, sorry, guys, I had to introduce the show like that because today's episode is going to be all about Netflix sensation Tiger King, and we're going to be discussing all the conspiracy theories, our theories, and definitely say a word or two about Carol fucking Baskin because that woman, man, there is a lot to say about her. So I have two very special guests today who both happen to work in the television industry and also happen to be two of my best friends. Uh, the first one is Eric Braun, who is also my roommate. Hello, Eric. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> and my other guest is my best friend, Marla McCarr. Hi, Marla. Hi, hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, how are you? I'm, you know, just chilling in quarantine land. Yes, as 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 most of us are. Um, so due to quarantine life, uh, we're using technology the best way we can here. Marla's joining us via FaceTime and I'm sitting here with Eric, but this is kind of how we have to have guests on the show for a while due to everyone being in quarantine. But, uh, I want to start off before we start talking about Tiger King, uh, Eric and Marla, if you want to take turns and just kind of give everyone a background of what you do for work, what shows you've worked on both of you have a lot of credits so maybe some a couple of the biggest ones that you're proud of and just talk a little bit about what you do eric if you want to start sure yeah definitely um i am a production assistant i'm working towards my days to join uh, the director's guild as an assistant director uh, i've worked on ncis la most recently i worked on that for about a season and a half and I've also worked on a couple Netflix shows, so Tiger King is close to home there. Uh, I've worked on Glow, um, and yeah. Okay, cool. Marla? Hello. Um, I have had the pleasure of working with Eric in the capacity of a production assistant on a couple of scripted shows, though I mostly come from the award show arena, working Oscars, Emmys, Golden Globes, etc. as a production coordinator. And I work in the reality and documentary world um, as anything from a production assistant to an associate producer to a field producer. Most notably, I spent the better part of 2019 traveling on Chasing the Cure as a field producer. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. So another thing I want to ask you in regards to what you do is, you know, obviously there's not a lot of TV production going on right now. So, you know, I think this is a very hard time for all of us, but this show is all about staying positive and looking at the bright side. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys, you know, obviously all of us right now are not working. So what are you doing to kind of make the most of the situation right now? Well, I've been, uh, I've been playing a lot of card games with you. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I didn't really need to ask you that question. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of board games and a lot of, um, you know, trying to stay productive too. Trying to stay busy and, and keep things productive and positive. Marla? Well, I think, and I'm sure, um, Eric, I'm sure you have a couple of things to say about this as well, but like working as a freelancer in television, um, I feel like there's constantly this pressure to be working and constantly be booked. And it's like you're competing against so many people because it's such, the industry is so dense and um, 
and you're just waiting for your next shot and your next opportunity to go ahead. So, you know, having like pretty much worked consistently the past couple of years and never had the opportunity to take a vacation, this though, you know, obviously there are the horrific downsides to the quarantine and everything that's happening in the world globally. It's personally kind of given me a moment to take a step back, relax, go back to the basics, like give myself a, a physical and mental break from the entire situation. So I've mostly been doing that. I've started doing the things that I stopped doing a while ago. I started painting. I've been experimenting with just aspects of my life. I always wanted to chop off my hair since I was like a wee <laughs> little 14-year-old gal. And yesterday I, I took the plunge. So now, so now I, well... I, I look like I'm ready for the apocalypse. Let's let's just put it that way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you're not the only one who is doing that because Eric gave me permission to cut his hair the other day. And for those of you who haven't already seen on my Instagram, it was quite the ride. We were doing a live Instagram of me cutting his hair. I had never touched hair before in my life. Like literally did not know one thing about cutting hair. And it was actually going pretty well. We're in the middle of this live video. And then all of a sudden we hear, Harry. Harry! And I like look up at the sky because we're in our backyard and there's like a big wall. So I do not see who is calling my name. And then it's, hi, Harry, it's, it's dad. I'm, I was in the neighborhood and thought I would say hello. I haven't seen you in a month. And I was like, wow, this is great timing. So I went to go talk to him, um, came back. I finished cutting his hair and actually it looked really good. But this is where things kind of you know, yeah. fell apart. So Eric takes the attachment off the buzzer and goes, can you even out the back? So I even it out for him. And then he goes, this side is still a little long. I feel like we can cut it a little bit. So I do one simple stroke. I look at it. My jaw drops. Eric sees my reaction. His jaw drops. He looks in the mirror and he realizes and screams, we forgot to take the attachment, uh, put, put the attachment back on. <laughs> and... Eric has this huge bald spot on the side of his Just head. one no. gnarly chunk of hair missing. <laughs> because I forgot to put the attachment back on. But I will say, like, we left the top long so it covers the spot. And you did a great job otherwise. Thank you. Really I feel good. like for someone who hadn't cut hair before, it came out pretty good. Eric has gotten a lot of uh, appraisal for it. So, all right. We're, we're done talking about hair. Uh, before we start Tiger King, one last thing. I have this segment I'm doing on the show called Putting in a Good Word, where I basically just share some good news to cheer everyone up, make people realize, you know, there's something that we can be happy about. So today's Putting in a Good Word is a local doctor uh, recently found that hydroxychloroquine, I hope I said that right, I probably butchered it, uh, is a malaria drug, which President Trump has been pushing. And this doctor has just said that he has prescribed it along with zinc to severely ill COVID-19 patients and says they have become system, uh, symptom-free within 8 to 12 hours. So we have a potential uh, healing drug that seems to be working very quickly for people who not only have COVID-19, but have it pretty, pretty bad. Uh, and I think that's some good news. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. I mean, I don't know how confirmed it is with this, how how many people they're going off of, but it sounds like uh, it has worked on multiple people who had COVID nineteen pretty bad. So that's some good news that we can take away. Um, okay, let's let's dive into Tiger King. So, Eric, do you want to talk a little bit for anyone who might not have watched this show? 
about what Tiger King is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, the uh, premise of the show. It's an eight-part uh, Netflix docuseries, and it goes into um, sort of the, the pseudo-legal um, world of, of keeping animals captive, keeping, keeping dangerous animals like tigers, lions, chimpanzees captive. Um, and these, these zoos that are all over America, predominantly in the South, that, um, you know, that these crazy characters have, have managed to create. And you've got, you've got people like Joe Exotic, who's the, you know, sort of the protagonist of the show, um, who has this zoo in Oklahoma. And then you've got, uh, Doc Antle, who's in Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, and you've Marla's got... favorite. <laughs> I, I I detest that. I detest that man. I detest that man. And then uh, and then you've got Carol Baskin, who's in Florida, and she's got her own her own sanctuary, and she's sort of the antagonist of the show. So you've got these these two forces, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin, and they're clashing. And then you know you've got the legality of it all. So it's it's interesting because you've got these wild zany characters, as you'd suspect to to have these zoos. Um, I think what's really funny about this show is that the entire show kind of focuses on them fighting with each other over what they're doing when they're all practically doing the same exact thing. That's, That's the main thing I found humorous about this. But, okay, so my first question for you guys is, Tiger King has really risen real quick. Um, and gain popularity in just the past, I don't know, maybe week and a half. I mean, it's kind of crazy that, you know, I felt like I was the first one who was watching it last week. And now when I'm on Instagram, all I see is Joe Exotic memes and Carol Baskin memes and Carol Baskin TikToks. So my question to you guys is, do you think this show would be as popular if we weren't in this pandemic right now where everyone is isolated and basically the only thing they can do is stream Tiger King? Or do you think that this show is so crazy that it would have found its way regardless? What do you guys think of that? Marla, I'll start with you. Um, I I think that it honestly would have would have gained traction and attention. Um, just because of the wild nature of the show. I think that it you know, it, if the pandemic wasn't happening, yeah, you wouldn't have a majority of people like pretty much chilling on their couches all day, like watching TV surfing Netflix, but I think that it still would have gained notoriety because just before the entire, you know, decree of the quarantine and self-isolating came about in California, I was actually taking a random BuzzFeed quiz about um, what, what show should be recommended to me on Netflix, and I actually ended up getting Tiger King. Um, and that was the first time actually I had heard about it. And then just seeing a couple of posts on Facebook, people saying that it was absolutely wild. I was like, Hmm, let me, let me read about this show. And it seemed interesting enough that I started watching it. Granted, I'm sure that a lot of people who may have not watched it are now watching it because of everything that's happening. But I mean, come, come the fuck on, like all the crazy shit that we see in that show. Like, of course it was going to, people were going to hear about it. People were going to watch it. It just kind of speaks for itself. Mullets and all. Yeah, (laughs) it really does. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I, I kind of feel like I, ever since I watched it, I've been telling all my friends and family about it being like, you have to watch the show. And I feel like everyone has the same reaction, initial reaction where they're like, 
this seems weird. This isn't something I would typically watch. And then they watch it and they call me back and they go, that was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I feel like I need to watch it again. But uh, Eric, what, what would, how do you feel about that? I think that Netflix has this great way of releasing docuseries right when they need to be released. I think that they are they have impeccable timing, and every year or two, they just have these heavy hitters. Some that come to mind are uh, Making a Murderer in 2015. Okay. You know, I, I remember that being the first, like, oh my God, this is yeah. fascinating, and it took the world by storm. And then, uh, you know, a couple years later, you had, um, I think they did something on JonBenet Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, yes yes yeah. yeah and so they just they they time it so well and so i i think it has less to do with the quarantine and more just about the the world needing a good new docuseries to get behind you know yeah, yeah. well i mean talking about timing what do you guys think about the fact that they're saying that now they're going to be releasing another episode i didn't like, i didn't even know about that yeah, yeah. Um, they're saying that one other episode may be released. So a lot of people are thinking like, wow, like how how could production have gone about shooting it at this time? Like, was it like a week turnover? Because, you know, I'm sure you guys know or if, if you don't, um, uh, the Tiger King is in jail right now and yeah. he just um, got diagnosed with the coronavirus yeah so i'm wondering if it's maybe a take of just like focusing on him in jail and like the ramifications of then being infected and having to be isolated in that capacity i don't know it's just but it is crazy like regarding the timing of it all yeah it is definitely okay so i want to discuss our favorite scenes from this series which i know is going to be tough because there are constant laughs throughout this show um i'll start my my favorite scene eric knows this because we watched it together but i was losing it there is a scene where and we probably will be giving some spoilers in this episode by the way so if you have not watched tiger king yet i would suggest watching it and then coming back and listening to this episode yeah, because stop listening right yeah now. you should probably stop <laughs> listening i don't feel like we've given too many spoilers yet but they are coming starting now um but my favorite scene is there I, it was in one of the middle episodes and there is a tiger who bites off an employee's arm uh while the zoo is open on Joe Exotic's uh, at Joe Exotic Zoo, and immediately after Joe Exotic walks into the gift shop, and someone was telling me he did like a quick change and like had a different yeah, outfit. Me. I was yeah, you that. were telling me that he did a quick change. I didn't even notice that. Now I need to go back and watch it. But he does a quick change, and then while this is going on, while there is a tiger that just bit off an employee's arm. He is not with the employee <laughs> trying to make sure they are okay. He goes into the, like, I guess it was the gift shop of the zoo or something. It's where, you know, all the uh, customers come in and start paying for items and things and buying their tickets, I guess. He walks in and he goes, attention, everyone. Uh, we do have a tiger that just bit off an employee's arm. Um, it's going to be okay. 
Uh, if you guys want a refund, I can give you a refund, or maybe you should just come back tomorrow. And I was losing it. I mean, he had no reason to be telling them this, and I can't imagine what it would have been like to hear that as you're trying to get a ticket into this zoo. And the thing on my mind would not be, oh, I'll come back tomorrow. It's, I'm not coming back and getting my arm ripped off by a tiger. Uh, and it, it was so funny. It reminded me of this uh, SNL sketch a couple years ago with Kristen Wiig, and I think Megan Fox was like the guest host that episode and they're these flight attendants and they're like trying to convince everyone on the airline that everything's going to be okay but they're like yeah so make sure your items are neatly stowed under your chairs in case the plane does rip in half you will have your item with you on your half and it, I don't know it was just wild and that's what that scene reminded me of and it was so funny um but uh Marla what what scene stands out to you Oh my God, what scene doesn't stand out to me is the better question, I feel. <laughs> like, honestly. But I mean, even just like quickly, quickly touching upon your fave, like, I was just, I was person, that was one of my top three, if I'm <laughs> honest with you. Like, that was one of my top three because I immediately saw, like, first of all, the David Spade lookalike was wearing a paramedic jacket. And I was like, where did he get this? Like, where did he get this? Like, he is only exclusively in, like, cowhide with tassels. And suddenly he comes in this thick-ass bomber jacket with, like, a paramedic insignia on it, telling everybody about uh, getting a potential refund. And then, and then there's this quick aside, and he goes, like, I don't think I'm ever going to ever financially make it from this. And it's like, that is his big concern about, like, the financial downfall. And, like, little did he know the shit that was about to hit the fan. So... Truly, truly in the top three. Um, I think definitely, God, what was the name of the guy that was on the the little, what was it, like a little the jet, jet ski? Oh, the yeah, jet ski. Name? James, James Garretson. James Garretson, yeah. James Garretson. Uh, wow, that... That was just, that was lovely. Like, I I feel like the charm of the show as a whole is the fact that it knows when to make fun of itself. Because you just have to imagine that this James fellow was like, okay, you guys, like, I want to make myself look like a puffed chest little peacock. And my moment is going to be on this jet ski. My <laughs> locks blowing in the wind, the sea, the breeze in my nostrils. And I just want a beautiful montage of this. And, and the producers we're okay with it. And I think that's why it's not even that the show is well done, but it's, it's gaining a cult following. Yeah. And he, it's there, moments like those. They're also living for it though. Like James Garrett, there a bunch of the cast members are now doing this thing where you pay them a certain amount of money for them to send you a personalized message. And I saw one on Instagram the other day of James Garrettson, like pulling in on a jet ski and giving a shout out to this group that like posted something about Tiger King. Oh my God. And I, I think they're, they're kind of living for it. The only person that I have not actually, like, heard from since watching this is Carol Baskin. <laughs> oh, she just put out a statement, though. What did she say? She is trying – I don't know if she's trying to sue Netflix, but she made a statement saying that she was very disappointed in her portrayal in Netflix. And it was actually interesting. I was talking to um, another friend of mine, and the entire time we were watching it, he was like – how is it possible that that Carol Baskin is allowing this to be made? Like, doesn't she realize 
how she's being portrayed. And I had to explain to him, like coming from the world of reality TV, a lot of times the subjects don't know the spin of how they're going to be portrayed. You interview them, you can try and spin a couple of questions to have them say something in a certain way. It's all their words. But what people do in the editing booth, that's to the discretion of production. So she she's definitely in shock especially that she now has such hate coming from every angle yeah okay let's get a little bit into all of these characters from the show because i want to talk a little bit about them and see who you guys one of the questions everyone is trying to decide on is you know who who of these people is the most crazy who is the most sane who should we believe who should we not believe like Whose side are we on? So I kind of want to talk about all of that. But let's kind of go through each person real quick and just kind of give a little background as to who they are when we're, you know, mentioning who who would be our choice for those questions. So we have James Garrettson. That's the guy we were just talking about who, you know, was pulling in on the – who was uh, driving around on the jet ski. Uh, he's a strip club owner, pretty shady bi- businessman, um, and uh, – he kind of comes in towards the end. He sort of comes yeah. He in does once the once the zoo starts to fall apart. You know, Joe's zoo starts to fall apart, and he sort of comes in. Yeah, um, and kind of goes into business with Jeff Lowe, which in itself is a little bit of a question mark. Yeah. Um, okay, we also have Doc Antle, um, and he has a tiger sex cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> casual, casual tiger sex cult. <laughs> Yeah. Which for this show is kind of casual. Um, he almost exclusively hires attractive women who he then forces to work for long hours with little pay. And he hires them when they're like 15. I mean, and, 15 yep, to 17. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. And employs classic cult tactics to really prevent them from leaving. Um, he not only gives them new names, but he gives them new breasts. <laughs> um, and... Ah, uh, what a dream. Yeah. Kind of kind of crazy. Okay, so that's that's Doc Antle. That's as mo- much as I'll say for right now. Okay, so then you have Jeff Lowe, who is the former business partner of Joe Exotic and the current CEO of the GW Zoo. Um, he claims to be the grandson of the founder of Robin's Brothers Circus. Um, Wait, what? Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, he had a whole spiel about that. That's yeah. how he got into tigers and big cats and owning them is because they had him during the circus um what yeah uh so his investment in the zoo seemed to have like less to do with like actually protecting the tigers and cats and like making a profit and more for just using them for this vegas show in order to swing um and you can see uh, i think he's the one that you can see in the picture i think it was in britney spears's music video for i'm a slave for you or like one of her performances you can actually see him in the background with his tigers i don't know i saw this on the internet somewhere um well that's how every great story starts huh <laughs> um but yeah that's that's kind of a background on him i i don't necessarily think he was the craziest of all those people but i definitely think he had like the some of the darkest intentions and just was one of the cruelest people. Um, so then you have John Finley. Uh, so he's, he's honestly one of my favorites. He's pretty funny. So <laughs> this guy married Joe Exotic, claims that he is not gay, but was married to Joe Exotic. Um, it's revealed that um, 
he, one of the reasons he stuck around was because Joe was providing him with meth. Um, John, I believe, is the one who does all of his interviews being shirtless in the show, and there's never really any explanation given as to why he is always shirtless, but it's kind of funny. Um, another funny thing about John is that he got another park employee pregnant while he was still married to Joe. But I think my favorite thing, and it is probably everyone's favorite thing, is that he got a property of Joe Exotic tattoo, which he then covered by a bull tattoo that failed <laughs> to cover up his Joe tattoo. And you can, it's, it's pretty funny. You'll see it in the show. Uh, so that's your John uh, explanation right there. Then we go to the one and only Carol Baskin, uh, <laughs> whose second husband, Don, disappeared, which we are definitely going to talk about very soon. Um, she kept tigers at her own animal sanctuary and was the main antagonist in this show and really got into a fight with Joe Exotic about how he was handling his treatment of the tigers. Um, there are a lot of allegations and the common consensus seems to be that Carol did in fact kill her husband, Don, which we will talk about. Um, so <laughs> what's really funny about all of this though, is the fact that Carol Baskin, ladies and gentlemen, of all things is allergic to cats. Yep. <laughs> And this is her life, guys. She is allergic to cats, and her life revolves around being around cats. Kind of crazy. Um, so that's Carol Baskin, and there's a lot more that we will say, but that's it for now. Then you have Alan Glover, who took $300 from Joe Exotic to kill Carol Baskin. But uh, 3000 Sorry, 3000 Sorry, that's what I thought I was saying, but I was not saying that. So I, I, I think you that was probably a Freudian slip because he would have he agreed to it for $300. That's true. That's, that's very true. For $3 that's very true. Coupon. But guys, rather than going to kill Carol Baskin, he claims that he instead went to South Carolina where he spent the money on cocaine and strippers. As one does with $3,000. Again, casual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Casual. Casual for this show. <laughs> um, he did conduct an interview where he was getting into a bathtub. Um, so Alan Glover, Glover is definitely another true character from the show. And lastly, last but not least, you have Joe Exotic, the f infamous Tiger King, uh, who introduced us with a tragic tale how he was going to com commit suicide as a young man because his dad would not accept his homosexuality and uh, that is where he found his purpose in saving exotic tigers um the show ends spoiler alert with him in prison for 22 years this was after he convinced two not gay men to marry him for access to meth where he finished third in the primary for oklahoma where he allegedly hired Glover to kill Carol Baskin to get out of the million-dollar judgment she won in the copyright infringement suit. Uh, and, yeah, that's, that's Joe Exotic in a nutshell. And there's a lot of other things you could say, like how he starred in a reality show but burned the warehouse where the footage was kept because it contained incriminating material and uh, teamed up with the people for the ethical treatment of animals, which is something he never would have done earlier uh, 
in the show. So that's kind of a background of everyone. Sorry that the, there was a lot there, but there's just so much to talk about with each character. So now that I've kind of mentioned who each person is, I'll let you guys talk for a bit. Talk about which character stands out to you the most, whether it's for good, for bad, for crazy, just what character was really speaking to you, maybe not in a good way, but was speaking to you the most during this watch. Um, Eric? Yeah, I... um... I, I think that they all have different crazy qualities. And the original question that you asked was, which one's craziest? Yeah. And I think it's important to dissect that that word, um, you know, not to get into the semantics of it too much, but you've got Joe Exotic, who is certainly the most eccentric. He's definitely the person that that has the, the, the strongest vibe, as the kids say. <laughs> um, but he- Of those crazy kids. Of those crazy wild youths. Um, but- I also, it's unfortunate because I think, I think that he, you've got these characters who are, who are terrible and conniving. And I think Joe sort of wore his heart on his sleeve a little bit. And the reason he's in prison and Jeff Lowe and Carol Baskin are not is because he was so vocal about his opinions. So if, if you want to be, if you want to talk about the person who is most uh, most vocal and most outspoken. If that is crazy to you, I think that that's Joe Exotic. Um, but if if you're talking more about who's the most conniving and the most unpredictable, um, I've got to say that's that's a toss-up between Jeff and Carol. You know, Jeff came in with these seemingly good intentions to save Joe's zoo, and then all of a sudden he takes over, and he's he's essentially stealing it from Joe. And it makes you wonder, was that his plan all along? Was that his plan from the beginning? Um, and then Carol, Carol's insane, dude. Carol, I think, <laughs> for me personally, Carol's the craziest. I, yeah, I think I'm Because you just don't know where she's at. You don't know what, you don't know what's coming next with her. And <laughs> I swear to God, she killed her husband. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait so. guys. We can't get into this fight yet. We're not there yet. We're almost <laughs> oh there. We're God. almost there. Marla, who do you think is the craziest? Well, Harry, first let me say thank you for reining me in like a tiger. I feel, I feel like <laughs> you've really learned from the best. That um, was my Carol Baskin <laughs> impression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say that where, whereas I agree that, you know, Jeff is, I think, the most conniving. I think that the quote-unquote craziest one is Doc, because I think that he has sociopathic tendencies. Um, I think that he, you know, he's like borderline Charles Manson-esque. He takes these young women, he grooms them, from the age of 16, 17, um, he strips them of their identity. He has them under his thumb and then he creates this empire accordingly where he, I mean, even his son who's interviewed at one point ends up saying that, you know, in Doc's world, Doc is not a king, but a god. He views himself as omnipotent. He has this megalomaniac type of psychosis and I just think that he's the most batshit crazy because that's that's a real type of crazy. That's the type of crazy that you may see on the street and not recognize immediately. And then you, in the blink of an eye, you realize 10 years of your life has gone by and you've just been with a with a sociopath the entire time. Yeah. So I think Doc is the craziest. I don't think Carol killed her 
fucking husband. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you take over. Okay. Well, I do want to hear your theory because you do have a really interesting theory on that. And let's, let's kind of jump into that a little bit. So Carol Baskin, the, the rumors are she killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the main reasons why people are saying this is because of the will, which uh, after they talk about his disappearance or his death, uh, they show she she literally changed she the will. changed the wording of the will the will ex- explicitly said uh if this man disappears which in the event of his disappearance in the event of his disappearance yeah. which a lawyer in the show was saying i've never seen wording on a will ever like this before and it didn't say that before she changed it to say that and also um when the will was first created, none of that stuff was supposed to go to Carol. No. And then in the revision of the will, everything went to Carol. Less than I, I think one of uh, one of his daughters from a former marriage had said that uh, initially the will was pretty equally divided, and then after the revisions, the family, his his former daughters and everything, ended up getting less than ten percent. Yeah. Of of his total. Share, uh, estate. Yeah. So I want Marla to share her theory, but 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 the one th- but the one thing I want to say is, you know, and I said this to Marla is based on what we just said and everything we saw from Carol during this show, I can't necessarily with a hundred percent certainty say that Carol killed her husband, but I don't see a scenario in which case she does not know what at least happened to him. For those things to have happened. I, I think she at least knows where he is. Whether it's in the grave or somewhere else. But I think she at least knows what happened there. But Marla, share your theory. Because it's really well, interesting. I, I definitely agree on your on the second point that you just said. That she, she is in the know. And this is why. First of all, we keep dissecting Carol. But we haven't talked about her husband. Um, so... The entire thing is this this man met a woman when he was when he was under 18. They have a life together. They live with each other for decade after decade. They have two kids. He's a multimillionaire. It's never really explained the extent to how he became a multimillionaire. But he seems like a relatively savvy guy who figures out his finances in a good capacity. He ends up meeting Carol when Carol is walking in the dead of night by herself. He stalks her goes multiple times around the block trying to entice her to get into his vehicle and then gives her a gun and says, hold this at me at gunpoint so that you feel safe. And then they start this affair. He leaves his wife of decades to, to, to start a new relationship with Carol. So first of all, let's establish that this guy isn't a saint, you know, by any means. Yeah. Um, the thing that really was striking was that through all of the through all the interviews where they were talking about the revision to the will where they were talking about the division of assets etc etc who was it that um was being interviewed who said the last thing that her husband had said to them was man if i end up getting away with this it will be the slickest thing i've ever done and the gentleman being interviewed was it his lawyer was it his friend i don't remember but 
he ended up kind of saying a couple of times, I, I, I kept waiting for him to explain what he meant by that, what it was in relation to, and he never did. And immediately after, he disappeared. That was the last conversation he ever had with him. That really makes me think that his plan, because it is disclosed that he had an entire um, he had a relationship with another woman in a different country. Um, or where was it? Where was it? Costa Rica, <laughs> I think. Costa Rica. Okay. Yeah. So he had a relationship with a woman in Costa Rica. He had constantly been wanting to to um, go to Costa Rica. And Carol kept telling him, no, no, no. I think that the relationship came to an end. Each party couldn't get anything else from the other and I think the husband wanted out, and I think that they came to an understanding that he was going to relocate, and they were going to basically fake his disappearance and death. I think that the fact that he went, what was it, one month or two months before his quote-unquote disappearance, and he gave some sort of testimony to the police so that he had a record saying that he was afraid of Carol and and to the point that even the daughter said that it was very out of character of him i think that he did that purposely so that there would be a record so that he would be able to kind of make this entire story come together and without offering enough evidence carol would not be incarcerated and she would be kept quiet by being given funds i genuinely think she was in on it i don't think that she murdered her husband eric you look like you have something to say Mm -hmm. oh okay um and then one other thing marla you mentioned something about blinking in like 20 seconds can you explain that because we are running out of time (laughs) okay so if you pay attention throughout all the interviews with carol she's constantly blinking when asked about her husband when asked about anything where you can tell that she's definitely lying there's only one part where she doesn't blink and that's when she explains how she heard um, that Joe was intending to have her killed and she has a completely straight gaze. So she's blinking throughout the entire thing, which is what made me think similar to you, Harry, that she was at least aware of where her husband was in the universe. And that kind of solidified in my mind that she didn't kill him, but that she was at least aware of where he was. Yeah, it's a really interesting theory, but I just think the overall sketchiness of Carol Baskin in this show, I have a really hard time imagining that she did not, in fact... She just throws out these, like, crazy little little comments, like, like <laughs> Joe, Joe uh, is sort of duped by his, his people, and, and someone ends up putting oil on his shoes. Yeah. And she makes a comment like, oh, you wouldn't use oil if you wanted... If you wanted the tigers to eat him, you would have like put meat on it or something. Yeah, it was just, like some specific like this totally oil that she well, knew. No, 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 no. The come salmon on, guys, oil. Come on, you guys are just having a bash Carol fest. This is what it was. Like the entire Joe world is trying, having a bash yeah. Carol fest. <laughs> I know, I know, and that's why I'm so in shock that nobody else is thinking that. Like, don't get me wrong, the the woman's batshit crazy, <laughs> but like. That was mostly like I think Joe's ego was hurt because there were cameras around. They saw that he wasn't able to tame the tigers and or the lion was going at his foot. And he said that cologne had been sprayed on it. And she was saying, why would a tiger go for your foot if cologne was sprayed on it? It's not like it was dipped in like fucking meatloaf. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't know. It's just a very, whatever she said, it was a very specific, like, thing that she was like. Would, if you wanted the tiger to eat you, you'd do this. Yeah, it was just like, so specific. I'm like, okay, girl, you know what, you know what to do. You know how to make tigers eat um, people. Okay, real quick, guys. We have one minute left, so very quick answers. But <laughs> do you think that the humor overshadowed what the documentary was actually about? Or do you think it was the most effective approach to get people to watch a show about this topic? Because overall, I think there is a deeper meaning behind the show. You know, obviously about the fact of, you know, how we're keeping tigers uh, hostage in, in the country. So um, Eric and Marla, real quick. Yeah, I've, I, we've only got a few seconds here, but I, I think that uh, the humor really brought this to the forefront. I think that they used humor as a, as a device. And the reason that this, this series got so much recognition was because of the humor. So I think it was absolutely uh, a brilliant tactic on their part. And I think that's, I, I think it was a great choice. Marla? Yeah, 1,000% humor without the humor would have been Duck Dynasty Tiger Edition. I, I agree. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for the next episode coming very soon. And until next time, hang in there, everyone. Is that a good one, guys? Like, hang in there because it's hanging with Harry? Hey. I like it. Okay, bye. We'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm. <laughs>